you know, we're just we're just going to press on this morning in, in Mark's gospel. Uh, you know, we've we've seen just in the six chapters that we've gone through, just repeatedly how Jesus uh, is is trying to teach the disciples to trust in Him, to put to put their faith in Him. And uh, you know, during during this storm at, at the sea, you know, Jesus uh, was there. He uh, as they were despairing for their lives, He calmed the storm. And, you know, they, they can't save themselves, but Jesus was there and Jesus saved them. When, when thousands of people were in the wilderness and they were hungry, they didn't have any food, the, uh, the disciples really could not do much to help the people eat. But Jesus was there and, and he did. He was able to uh, use what little they had and, and multiply it miraculously and, and feed the crowds. You know, so much that everybody was full and they had uh, 12 baskets left over. You know, later when the disciples are rowing against the sea, they can't get anywhere on their own, but Jesus calms the sea. And, you know, this just keeps coming up over and over again. We can't do it on our own, but Jesus can, and he does. You know, when, when we rely on him, when we put our trust in him, he's, he's there and he, he does what we cannot do. And so this morning, you know, we, we need to ask our, ourselves the question, you know, in, in what does our trust lie? In whom does our, our trust lie? You know, where do we put our faith? And, uh, you know, it's our, it's our natural tendency as, as human beings to want to do things on our own, to save ourselves, to, you know, we, we, we want to pull ourselves up by our, our bootstraps, we want to earn acceptability before God. You know, if I, can, if I can just do more, if I can do better, if I can avoid, you know, fill in, in the blank, maybe, maybe God will, will love me more. Maybe he'll accept me more. And, uh, you know, even, even those who claim that they don't believe in God, uh, you know, they feel the need to find something to measure up to whatever their substitute for God is. You know, this is, this is just part of the human condition. We, we want to do it our, ourselves. And so this morning we see Jesus addressing this issue. And, uh, you know, this time it's in, in response to being challenged by the uh, religious leaders of the time. As we come to uh, chapter 7, we see the Pharisees and the scribes uh, who've again come down to check on Jesus. They've come down to Jerusalem to, to check on the reports that they've heard. Uh, remember, uh, back in chapter 3, they, they were feeling threatened, and they, they started plotting against him. They, they started planning how they were going to kill him way back in chapter 3. And so now they're on a, a fact-finding mission or... or Maybe uh, maybe better stated a fault finding mission against Jesus. You know they, the fault they find here is that uh, the disciples aren't washing their hands before they eat. Uh, you know so according to uh, the the traditions of man, you know the the they're defiling themselves. And uh, Jesus has uh, really two issues with this complaint. Uh, first, the first has to do with the importance that they place on uh, man's tradition. 
uh, you know, they're putting, they're putting tradition above God's word. And the second is, uh, the second addresses and, and challenges the religious leader's idea about cleanness and, and defilement. You know, rather than trusting in their own ideas about what is clean and what's defiled, you know, we've, we've got to rely on God and his righteousness. And so, you know, as, as humans, again, we've always felt like we can come up with the right way to make ourselves acceptable to God. And it ends up that our ideas, our efforts fall short every time. And so we're going to see from Jesus' response that uh, we, we must trust in God's word and we must rely on him for his inner cleansing. Our, our attempts at goodness are, are going to fall short. They don't, they're not going to make the cut. So let's, let's go to Mark chapter 7, starting at the beginning, 7-1. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not, or when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and, and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines, or as doctrines, the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God, by your tradition that you've handed down. And many such things you do. Our, our trust first must be in, in God's word. You know, this is the, uh, the, the primacy of God's word. That's the, that's the issue in, in this passage. You know, the religious leaders believed or, they, or excuse me, they, they've observed that Jesus' disciples have eaten with defiled hands. Um, this reminds me of when I was, I was a little kid, you know, our, our parents would always make us wash our hands because I think our hands probably were pretty defiled with the things we touched during the day, you know, but uh, that's beside the point. <laughs> um you know, they, they, they've, they've eaten with defiled hands because they've eaten without washing them. And, and Mark inserts some commentary here for people who are reading this who are not from the Jewish tradition. You know, every once in a while you'll see that Luke does this. He points out, well, you know, the Jews do this or the Jews do that. 
You know, he, he mentions that uh, their traditions require all kinds of washings, you know, not only hands, but uh, what does he say here? Cups, pots, couches that they sit on, etc. You know, the, the accusation is really not against the disciples here. It's against Jesus. They, they want to find fault in, in Jesus. So, you know, what... What kind of rabbi are you, Jesus? Here, here you're, you're teaching your, your disciples. And, and you know, we, we see here that they're eating with defiled hands. Why, why would you allow your disciples, Jesus, to disregard the traditions of the elders? And, uh, you know, before addressing their complaint, which is eating with washed hands, Jesus addresses a bigger issue, doesn't he? You know, it, the... This issue, this issue is is the root for their invalid complaint. You know, he's going to discuss uncleanness later, but he needs to straighten something out here. Here's here's the point he wanted to make. You guys are giving tradition the same weight as as God's word. Man, they're making man's tradition on the same level or even maybe above God's word. You know, the, uh, the Jews over the years had, had built a system of traditions, rules, do's and don'ts. And uh, maybe they meant well. You know, they, they wanted to ensure that the, uh, there was strict adherence to the laws. Uh, there, you, you may know this term, uh, uh, gezira. Gezira is a law which is instituted by the rabbis to prevent people from accidentally violating one of God's um, precepts or, or commandments in the Torah. So it's thought of as a, a fence that's built around the Torah. You know, rather than, you know, if, 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 this, is, if this is the Torah, rather than allowing somebody to get right up to the edge, they're going to build a fence out here to make sure that they don't. For example, the Torah commands a person not to, to work on the Sabbath. Okay, that's a commandment from God in the Old Testament. But a Gezira commands a person not to even handle an implement that somebody might use to perform work, such as a, a pencil or, or money or, or a hammer, because somebody holding this implement might forget that it's a Sabbath and actually write with the pencil or buy something with the money and, and perform the, uh, the prohibited work. And, you know, it's, it's, it's commendable to have such a desire to, to obey God. That's not the problem. You know, the problem becomes when these laws and traditions that are tacked on and added to God's law become uh, such that they, they take on a life of their own and they, they become as important as the laws that they've been implemented to uh, to protect, uh, you know, God's law did not require people to wash their hands bef- before they ate. Uh, now, there there were laws that that governed the uh, the cleansing of the high priest before he would go in and offer sacrificing. He would go to the holy holies once a year and. Yeah, he'd get very clean before approaching God. He'd not only wash his hands, he'd wash his body, he'd wash his, his clothing. Everything had to be immaculately clean. 
You know, the, the, the priest should be clean and undefiled when he, when he approaches God. You know, the, the Torah also had restrictions on what kind of foods could be eaten. You know, certain foods were considered clean and others unclean. You know, certain animals such as uh, pigs and, and shellfish were considered unclean. A good Jew would not eat those um, eating unclean food would would defile a person, and so they they reasoned. Well, you know, if um, unclean hands touched any food at all, that food would be become unclean. the The uncleanness of of the person of the hands would render the food unclean. It would defile the food. And then the food, if it was eaten, would defile the, the person who was eating it. This is how they, they reasoned. You know, so the person would be unclean and, and could not approach a holy God. So wash your hands before you eat. You know, that's, that was their, their line of reasoning. So this, this is a fence that the, uh, the rabbis had, had built around, around God's law in the Old Testament, the Torah, you know, they're, they're adding layers of new laws. My, uh, my dad was a pastor. He's still alive, but he's not a pastor anymore. And uh, we, we lived in uh, rural Arizona, this little town. And uh, I remember this, this one guy. His name was Joe. Joe. One day Joe came to our... I don't remember his last name. One day Joe came to our house for some reason... And I think one of my little brothers was was sitting on the floor playing solitaire with cards. Uh, you know, we we like to do that. We like to play games. And so uh, Joe had a, a meltdown because he saw that the pastor's house had a deck of cards. You know that the pastor would allow his children. The, these playthings of, of Satan in his, his house, you know, uh, the, the logic would go something like this. Well, God commands us, may, maybe this was the logic, I don't know. God commands us not to steal. People who gambled, people who gamble might be construed at people who are dishonest and would steal from others. Gamblers use cards and they use dice. Therefore, cards and dice are evil. Uh, pastors, therefore, should not allow their children to play with cards in, in their house. And so my, Joe condemned my dad because of this, because there was a deck of cards in our house. You know, it must have made Joe feel very uh, righteous and acceptable in God's eyes to be card-free. You know, it must have, it must have made him feel very uh, spiritual, very, you know, very much more so than the, the occupants of the Whitey House. You know, he was, Joe was creating controversy that distracted from uh, what was really important, did he not? You know, this is, this is what the religious leaders were doing at the time of Jesus. You know, this, this kind of attitude can be harmful to others. It can keep people away from God it can create a, a burden which is really too much for anybody to bear. In Luke 11, 
Jesus warned against this. He said, woe to you lawyers. You, you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. That's Luke 11.46, 11.52. He says, woe to you lawyers. For if you've taken away the key of knowledge, you did not enter yourselves, and you have hindered those who were entering. You know, Paul in Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you, takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. You know, we, can, we can get so hung up on these, these matters that don't matter that it keeps people from, from, from Christ. Now, let me say traditions aren't inherently bad. Do we have traditions in our church? Sure we do. We're having potluck. We have potluck it, on the last Sunday of every month. That's, that's a tradition, right? That's not commanded in the Bible that we have potlucks the last Sunday of every month. It's tradition that we're meeting on Sunday morning here and, and worshiping. You know, it's something we do. It's a it's a it's a pattern that that we've established, and it's a it's a good pattern. It's a good tradition. We we meet for prayer on on Tuesdays. That's an excellent tradition. You know these. These kind of traditions provide a certain amount of uh, orderliness in our, our lives and in our life as a church. They, they help us. They give us consistency, and that's, that's okay. Uh, some churches have traditions that are not our traditions. Some churches have a tradition that say only, only ordained ministers can administer the Lord's Supper or, or baptize. You know, I, I don't know if you remember, but when Adam was baptized, uh, I had uh, his father help with that. It's beautiful. Um, you know, there's there's one tradition held by some that only one particular translation of the Bible is is acceptable. That all the other ones are, are defective and from the devil. Uh, you know, some some traditions dictate what kind of music is allowed or what kind of instruments are played I remember growing up there there were a lot of people that had issues with uh, guitars and drums in, in churches um, do you know at one time pianos were considered very scandalous in churches <laughs> probably so and why is that because pianos were associated with, with speakeasies and and saloons and, and you know places of, of iniquity and so we can, we cannot defile our, our church by having a piano and playing piano at one time uh, organs were scandalous in, in the church these are traditions strong opinions you know, none, of, none of these none of these things are prescribed in, in the Bible and you know they, they can get the way they can get in the way. You know they can give us the the wrong emphasis. They can they can distract us from God's word. They can they can take our eyes off from Jesus and and onto ourselves so that we feel like 
by what we're doing or not doing, we're pleasing God because we hold to these traditions. Uh, We need to just keep going back to Jesus' great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, religious traditions, customs, duties should never take precedence over the requirement, the fundamental requirement of God that that we love him and others. So what else do we, uh, we put above God's word? How about personal beliefs? Now, I've, 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 heard, I've heard it said, I've heard people say this, that uh, each person defines their own truth. So you have your truth, and I have my truth. Uh, that's absurd. You know, the exclusivity of truth would dictate that something cannot at the same time be true and untrue. But people will often put their opinions above God's word. Uh, you know, we, we, can't put, we can't allow any tradition or personal belief or, you know, pet doctrine or, you know, uh, uh, or any of these things to be on the same level as God's word. Any, any traditional or any tradition, belief, opinion, these all need to be measured against God's word is what it boils down to, God's word. And, and, and you know, we should, we should ask ourselves, why do we do the things we do? Why, why do we believe what we believe? Measure everything against the Bible. This this requires us to know the Bible. It requires us to learn from it, to study it, to be able to discern the validity of things we hear or even things that we think and things that we do. So Jesus answers the question, you know, why do your disciples violate the traditions of men? He does that by turning their accusation back on them. He quotes from Isaiah. He says, you honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You know, what, what's important to God is, is not our, our outward observance, but it's what's in our heart. You know, he's, he's essentially saying your worship, your worship is a waste of time because you're worshiping the law rather than the lawgiver. And so their view of the law and their practice of the law, is, uh, they're twisted. He gives examples of how they misuse the law. Depriving their parents of honor, depriving their parents of financial support by declaring that their property is dedicated to God. So, you know, my property is dedicated to God, so I can't help my parents. They're, they're using the, the law. They're using tradition to break the commandment, which says, honor your father and, and your mother. So Jesus quotes from Isaiah, and uh, you know Isaiah, re- I- Isaiah records some very uh, penetrating 
statements. Uh, chapter 1 of Isaiah 11 through 17. Let me, let me read this to you. Isaiah 1, 11 through 17. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? Says the Lord, I have enough. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I take no pleasure in the bulls, the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, what require, who requires of you trampling on my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They become a burden to me. I was weary of burying them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply your prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight and cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. You know, James comes later in his letter and talks about true religion. What is true religion? You know, it's, he points to some very practical things that we can do out of the love of our heart, you know, obeying that, that first commandment. This is, this is true religion. This is true cleansing. Now, returning to uh, Jesus' encounter with the religious leaders, you know, having addressed the issue of the primacy of God's word, now Jesus turns to the question of cleanliness and defilement. So let's, let's go back to our text, starting in verse 14. This is what defiles a person. He called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defiles him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, Then you are then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and it is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, Foolishness, all these evil things come from within, for they defile a person. Um, you know, I've, I've got to confess, some of these things are in my heart, you know, and, and the Lord needs to deal with them. That's why I need him so desperately. That's why I need the the Savior. Um you know, the second point is that our, our trust needs to be in him. Our trust needs to be not only in his word, but in, in God himself. You know, this has to do with the primacy of the heart. So 
Defilement is not external. Cleanliness is not external. Jesus tells the religious leaders that a person is not defiled by what he eats. You know, having ceremonially clean hands does not prevent defilement. You know, spiritual defilement goes much deeper than that. But, you know, the thing is, we feel like... uh, there's, there's something we can do to make ourselves acceptable to, to God. That's too easy, isn't it? I mean, if, if I could be sin-free by washing my hands, uh, well, I, th- I think we'd all have it made. Bring the, bring the hand sanitizer in. You know, I, we, we all know people who believe they're right with God because they do good things. I don't know how many times I've heard people say that, you know. I'm better than than most everybody I know. You know, people people who can see them or see us and and they they might say, Yeah, he's a pretty good person, you know. They they're only seeing what's on the outside. They they can't see the uh the rot in, in my heart. Uh you know, maybe maybe we donate our money to, to good causes. We we do good things, uh, you know. We we go to church. We we don't have playing cards in our, our houses. You know, the the problem is we we can't be right with God based on the good things that we do. Bible's very clear about that. No matter how high we, how hard we try, we ju- we just can never measure up. There's always gonna be something missing. L- listen to what Jesus says. You know, the the defilements on the inside. Cleansing needs to happen on the inside. You know, in this in this case, Jesus is addressing food. He says that what you eat, no matter, is going to go through your digestive tract. It's going to be expelled into the latrine. You know, it's not going to touch your heart and your soul. That's where the uncleanliness lies. He says, for from within, out of our heart of men, come these things, evil thoughts, Sexual immorality, theft, all these things, pride, uh, slander. You know, a different kind of cleansing is necessary. The type of cleansing that we need is the one that goes to our our very core, our, our heart. You know, we can do all we can. We can strive to make ourselves right with God by washing the outside, doing good works, obeying Man's tradition. There'll never be enough, though. Never. Um, what Jesus is getting at here is relationship over religion. Back in verse 6, Jesus quotes from Isaiah. And this, this is a key verse in, the, in this passage. You know, he quotes, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Are we ever guilty of that? Yeah, I am. Jesus is saying the same thing here. It applies to the people that Isaiah was talking to. It applies to the people Jesus was talking to. It applies to to us today. You know, many many people follow religion. Uh, they 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 perform religious acts but their heart is far from God. 
Uh, they're, they're not in relationship with him. You know, that's, that's, there, there's, a, there's a huge difference between relationship and, and religion. You know, as, as, hard, as hard as we scrub ourselves, there, there's something missing on the inside without God. You know, as, as religious as we might try to be, we can only be clean by the cleansing that only Jesus can provide. It's his righteousness that, that cleanses us. You know, he doesn't want religious people who are far from him. You know, his, his desire. And I, I keep going back to this. When he, when he, remember when he selected his, his disciples, what was, the, what was the first thing given as a reason for him to select them? To be with him. To be with him. That's what he wants. He wants us to be with him, close to him. And that needs to be the desire of our, our hearts too. So Jesus makes it very clear what our, our focus should be, doesn't he? He makes very clear in whom we should put our trust. You know, he has a, a, a serious issue with us putting tradition above his word. Uh, so we should, we should challenge our, our traditions. We should... We should always ask the question, why do we do the things we do? Why do we believe the things we believe? And we need to go back to the Bible, always. Use that as our our yardstick. Um, You know, there's a lot of information, a lot of people saying a lot of different things. You know, we, we live in an age where we can get on our computers and we can find anybody who will say anything we want to hear. You know, we, 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 we can find validation for whatever falsehoods we, we decide we want to believe. We need to go to God's word. And, you know, if, if we hear teachings that do not line up with God's word, we need to get rid of them. And Jesus does not want people who honor him with their lips and have hearts far from him. You know, Isaiah, we talked about our, our, you know, our, our prayers can be defiled. They could come from the wrong motives. Um, we like to complicate things, don't we? This, to, to me, this, this is very simple. In fact, you know, the, the, the Christian life, the Christian walk is, is always very simple. The gospel is simple. A, a young child can understand it enough to come to Jesus. You know, our, our desire needs to be relationship, to be with him, to be close to him, to love him, to love his word, to want to hear what he has to say, to obey him, to obey his word, to, to experience his cleansing, his cleansing, you know, the, the great commandment should be in the forefront of our minds. Love God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we, uh, we thank you for your, your great love for us. It's uh, incomprehensible to us how, how much uh, you loved us, Lord Jesus, that you would uh, lay down your life for us. You who were without sin.
bore our sin on the cross. We thank you that thank you for that, Lord. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we don't have to strive to be acceptable to you. It's a simple matter of just receiving you, receiving your forgiveness. And Lord, I I just pray if, if there be anyone listening to this who <coughs> who is far from you, Lord, draw them close to you. I, I, I pray that uh, they would they would call on you, call on your name, Lord Jesus. And it's in that name we pray. Amen. <coughs>